Chapter 1 Tell me when you see it. Those had been his final words. Not deathbed style, nothing as dramatic or theatrical as that. But he had been adamant. He had told him half a story, and given him the means and time and opportunity to discover the other half. It had been typical of Anderson. He had not wanted the man's opinion jaded in any way. Simply outlined what he had seen, but the truth, the ultimate end to the tale, was for him to discover. Ross O'Brien put down the telephone. He would know who his new boss was soon enough. He felt numb at the news, but death was an old and constant companion. He had spent enough time with it, knew the processes of grief only too well. In his darkest hours he did not fear death, nor shied from its path. Outside forces had contributed, but ultimately death was a face he no longer feared to stare into. Occasionally he goaded it, stared coldly and dared it to make its move. It had made for a flat line in both career and love. He was unbreakable. He was uncontrollable. Untamable. And that meant that with the replacement of his long-time boss, he would most likely be unemployable. He was a crisis man, the man you wanted on board when the toughest choices had to be made, when it counted. But crisis men were like tethered animals. They only truly lived when they were free. Fifty-nine days. The longest period since the clock turned back and the marker read zero. His heart fluttered and his stomach tensed. He could feel a sudden rush in his chest cavity as the blood surged quicker through his veins. He started to ball his fists as he walked out of Anderson's study and into the lounge. Anderson had kept a crystal decanter of brandy in the study, and the temptation was behind him now. He had looked at the decanter, its amber contents glistening in the late afternoon sun, which had shone brightly through the windows. The close proximity of the water had seemed to intensify the light, giving it an added quality of brightness he seldom saw, or perhaps noticed in London. The entire south wall of the lounge had been replaced by glass doors, and the view spoke for itself. The creek was almost at high tide, and the water was the deepest blue, pooling to black in the shadows of the trees on the other side. It was late summer, the final weeks where the next front of cold weather spelled the end of the season and the beginning of autumn. The body of water this far up the creek wasn't popular with paddleboarders or kayakers. It was shallow, and held on to the flat bed of mud and grass for all but three-quarter tide. Lower down the creek, at Point Geddon, less than a mile distant, there would be hordes of children, clad in brightly coloured wetsuits, jumping off the jetty and into the deep water. There would be kayaks and other craft paddling through the moorings as the last weeks of ideal boating conditions were exploited, and sailors started preparing their boats for hauling out of the water for the long winter months. Across the water lay an old wooden jetty. It was all but hidden from view by a large fallen tree, which must have become snagged or sucked into the mud, because it hadn't moved for the entire week. Each time the tide partially submerged it, but still it did not move. The absence of leaves would indicate that it had not fallen this summer. It looked to have been there for years. Perhaps it had taken root in the mud. O'Brien did not know about such things, lacked the care to Google it but he reasoned that it was not in the way of the tiny jetty, nor the rest of the river, so its presence was of no consequence. O'Brien stepped into the open doorway and leaned on the warm glass. Birds skimmed the surface of the water, 
and some kind of large black and white bird was ducking down repeatedly and reappearing twenty or thirty feet further down the creek each time. It seemed to be following a line. O'Brien figured there was food there, perhaps shrimp. But what did he know? He couldn't have said whether it was a cormorant or a duck. He stepped out and felt the sun on his face. It was hovering between late afternoon and early evening, another hour until dusk. The sun was warm and the water looked inviting enough to swim in. He put the thought out of his mind. A bad experience, a trauma, he supposed, had left him with little desire to swim. It was too soon. The close proximity of the creek had left him feeling anxious, but he reasoned he had control over it. He just had to stay on dry land.' 